Amen. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? I feel the presence of Jesus here today. God is here. Amen. And we can feel his presence. I feel such a warmth and such a, a peace and a comfort. There's no place that is more reassuring than to be in the house of God and with God's people. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you thank you for standing. You may be seated for a few moments. We're so delighted and honored to be a part of this service, the Tabernacle of Joy. And to be with you once again, as Pastor said, it's been many years. And I'm honored to be the first uh, of your overseas guests to come and uh, be here with you all. And uh, I'm so glad. But uh, I wish they had removed the mask mandate just a day earlier, if possible. <laughs> Would have been great. So I can see your faces again to see how much uh, COVID has treated you. And uh, Uber Eats and oh, maybe call it Grab. I think we all struggled back in Australia when, when the COVID hit and everyone's staying home and eating. And uh, not only were we uh, experiencing uh, difficulties, but uh, everybody was putting on weight. But um, it's so, so uh, wonderful that we can come and travel here to, to Singapore and be a part of the great work. And I just want to say thank you to this church, Tabernacle of Joy. Uh, if you are not aware, you have... I've made a significant input into the churches in Australia, particularly our church in Sydney, uh, not only with, with the AxNet, which has been uh, so helpful and useful to us as a church, and I commend you for this incredible innovation and development that you have made, uh, lots of lots of money and, and energy and time that you've invested, and we are so thankful for that. But uh, we're also thankful for you sharing your pastor uh, and his wife, his lovely wife, Sister, Sister Wei, and their ministry to us just last month in Australia. It was tremendous. And so we are making a deal that if, if I could come, that we need to have him, them come every year. Our, our church was so blessed by their ministry. And uh, we had them do a whole week, uh, almost a week and a half, a whole weekend, certainly. And uh, our people were just so tremendously blessed. And so thank you for sharing your pastor. He is an absolute blessing to us and uh, to the church in Australia. And on behalf of the Executive Board of Australia, we send our greetings and we're thankful to this church that we can have this partnership and working together. And we're not that far from each other. It's only an eight-hour flight to Sydney, so it's not bad. <laughs> it's not like you've got to fly to the U.S., you know, 15 hours or something like that. But uh, we're close and uh, we are always in contact with your pastor. He's a good friend of mine. And I have been so blessed. We're always watching you guys. Uh, you guys are, are forging the way with technology, with all this innovation, with all the things that you're, you're doing. And uh, we're, we're a little bit behind down under. You know, we, we're kind of in the corner of the globe that people forget. Uh, but uh, we're always watching. We're always looking to seeing uh, how we can improve and what we can do. But I certainly enjoy the presence of the Lord here today. Thank you, for, uh, musicians and singers. The great uh, dedication that they make, uh, it is a blessing to this church. Amen. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Can you say praise the Lord, everybody? The Lord. Amen. Well, I, I believe I have a word from the Lord that uh, I, God wants me to share and minister today. And so if you have your Bibles, let's turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse number 10 to 12. Amen. And of course, if, if you didn't know, I, I, I lived in Singapore for many years. 
I spent my formative years here from the age of six till I was about 13. So this is a little bit, again, of a homecoming for me. I love this country. And since I left, it's gotten even better. <laughs> the food is something that I dream about. So, you know, if I come for like 65% of the time for just for the food, please forgive me. But uh, I'm sure you'd understand. Uh, we had the first time we, when we, as soon as we arrived on Thursday with my, my daughter and I, uh, the pastor took us to just a, just a, a place in the, at the airport, some chicken and rice. And he said, man, this isn't even the best. This is nothing. And I said, man, it's still better than anything that we could get as far as the flavor is concerned. You just can't compare. And I'm so glad to have my daughter, Keanu, traveling with me this weekend, this week. And she absolutely loves this country. And she was here a few years ago and uh, just wanted to jump at the chance to travel with me to come here. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 6, verse number 10. So David, the Bible says, would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David. But David carried it aside into the house of Obededom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obededom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obededom. Everyone say blessed. And all his household and it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertains unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. Amen. I want to borrow from a famous novel a title, change it slightly for my message today. And simply call this a tale of two households. A tale of two households. Uh, I wonder if you could join with me one more time in prayer. And let's ask God to speak to us as we open up our hearts and minds. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you this day. Lord, once again, lifting up our hearts, our minds. Lord, it is open, ready, and willing. Lord God, to hear from you, to receive from you, Lord. It is still through the preaching of the word that brings salvation to those that believe. And I pray today that there would be faith in this house. As pastor has been ministering over many weeks, Lord God, help us to stir up our faith to take a hold of you and your promise and let your word uh, profit us as we mix it together with faith. Anoint your servant and your people for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. I don't normally begin my uh, sermons with a joke, but three people were arguing about which profession was first used in the Bible. The surgeon said, well, the medical profession was obviously used first since God took a rib from Adam and made Eve. It required surgical precision. But then the engineer, the engineer piped up. Any engineers in the house? I'm sure there is. The engineer said, no, engineering was used first. Just think of all the engineering job it took to create the world out of chaos. But then the politician stood up and said, hang on a minute. You have nothing if we politicians didn't create chaos in the first place. Now, I hope this is not going to live stream. They may not let me out of the country. I'm talking about Australian politicians. 
Amen. But uh, it's, it's the, the real power, and politicians think that they have the power, but the real power really is of God. The Bible says he puts authorities in place. He ordains them. And that's why we ought to submit ourselves and subject ourselves to the powers that be. But, but this is a, an interesting story that we find uh, in, in 1 Samuel regarding the Ark of the Covenant. And for those that, that may not be that familiar with it, the Ark of the Covenant was the most precious item in all of Israel. It was made of, a, 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 it was a, a wooden box made of acacia wood overlaid with gold. And according to the instructions of God, it was to be where uh, the presence of God would descend, the, the Shekinah glory. It had a lid upon it called the mercy seat made of gold with two golden cherubims whose wings touched each other and the, both cherubims would be looking down onto the surface of that lid, which was called the mercy seat. This was the representation of the presence of God. There were three items inside the ark. There was the stone tablets of Moses. There was the golden pot of manna. And there was Aaron's rod that budded. And uh, it was an incredible item, of course. And this would be found furnished in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the glory once a year, when the high priest would go into that a holy of holies, and sprinkled the blood upon that mercy seat, then the Shekinah glory of God would descend. Uh, but the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 4, it records a time when Israel went to battle against their arch enemies, the Philistines. And as they were facing this formidable foe, they decided they needed help. And so they thought to bring out the ark of the covenant of God to the battlefield so that God can secure them the victory. And here's what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse number 3. It says, when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel uh, said, the Lord has smitten us today before the Philistines. Let us therefore fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it comes among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring forth thence the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, which dwells between the cherubims and the sons, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. They brought the Ark of God to the battlefield, thinking that it was going to save them. But on that day, the Philistines had destroyed, had, had pretty much annihilated and defeated the armies of Israel uh, with 30,000 footmen being killed. This was an absolute uh, destruction. This was an absolute shellacking, we would say, in Australia. This was a, a beating, a hiding, if you will, uh, of the worst kind. And people of the people of God were wondering, how in the world could this happen when we had the Ark of the Covenant present with us? This was the presence of the Lord. And I believe that it could be found in the words that they had spoken when they said, let us bring the Ark to us today. Let us fetch it and that it will come and it will save us out of our hand, the hand of our enemies could it be that the way that they approached the Ark of the Covenant, that they simply looked to God as some kind of an it, as a mechanism, 
as some kind of a thing that if we simply follow the dots, if we simply press the right buttons, if we put the little coins in the machine and pull the lever, that we are going to get what we want. Amen. And this is their attitude. And that's probably why God didn't do anything to them because they looked at the presence of God as an it, as a thing. It was no longer somebody that was real, who was dynamic. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, when we come into the house of God, when we come into the body of Christ, we don't serve a God that's some kind of system or mechanism or machine. He's not some cosmic slot machine that we put coins in there when we pull the lever and say, come on, Jesus, give me something. No, he's not an it, but God is very real. He's powerful. He's dynamic. He's a God who has love who has feelings as it were and has passion and desire for his people oh praise the name of the lord god forbid we will ever get to that place amen where we see church as just some kind of a thing oh i've got to pay my dues i've got to do my time i've got to clock in and and prayer can become mechanical and prayer can become something that we just follow by rote and by system oh can i tell you no god is not a machine he's a god of love who wants to know us and he wants us to know him he wants to walk with us us in a love relationship in a walk hand in hand with the bishop and shepherd and lover of our souls oh aren't you thankful that he's a God of love amen he's a God who walks with us we often have this misconception that we have a judge who is looking over with a scoreboard and with a clipboard and marking every time we mess up and every time we do something wrong and, and, and he's going to just whack us down because we, we made one mistake. No, he's just simply a God who wants to know us. He wants to walk with us and have this relationship. And so this, this tragic story, uh, when they were defeated, the children of Israel were defeated by the Philistines. One of the, the repercussions, of course, was they took possession. The Philistines took possession of the Ark of the Covenant of God. They brought it back to Philistia. And, and most of you would know the story. It's quite, quite uh, uh, an interesting story. It's quite an amusing story. They brought the Ark. They put it in the temple with Dagon right next to Dagon. And they said, well, well we, we put the Ark and we're going to show these Israelites who we're going to show the God of Israel who is more superior. The fish god Dagon was there and there was the little Ark beside him. And you know the story, the next morning the Philist Philistines woke up and they found that their God was planted face down in the ground. And, and they're looking around, who in the world did this? And there was a little golden box right there. They said, so they, they, took, uh, they took whatever machinery they had, some ancient pulleys and, and cranes, and they propped their God back up again. Amen. <laughs> I don't know what kind of God you serve. If you've got to prop your own God up, if you've got to be the one to lift him up. I don't want a God. I don't want to serve a God that I've got to lift up. I need a God that can lift me up. Amen. When I'm down. Amen. And so the, they, they propped him back up, and then they woke up again the next day. And the next day, once again, Dagon was on his face. Not only was he on his face, but the Bible tells us his head was cut off and his hands were cut off. And, and then shortly after that, the people in Philistines, they all started to get a disease. 
they all started to get emeralds where they were diseased and, and they realized what is going on, these curses that are happening upon us. And so they decided, well, we better get rid of this box. It must be this wooden box that's the cause and the source of our problem. So they put it on the cart. They send it out. They send it to another city. And again, the same thing happened in Gath. And so they said, no, we better send this thing right back to where it belongs. I mean, you, you can't play with the things of God. You, you, can't, you, can't, take, you can't play with God. You, you can't take it lightly as it were. Because God is a real God. He's all powerful. Amen. You can't play around with him. And so he walks, and they take the Ark of the Covenant, and then when the Ark is finally returned into Israel, uh, there, there is, uh, he, he doesn't go back straight to Jerusalem, but the Bible tells us the Ark of God is kept in the house of Obed-Edom for 20 years. And not Obed-Edom, I'm sorry, it's the house of Abinadab for 20 years. It was in the house of Obed-Edom for only three months. But it was in the house of Obed-Edom for 20 years. And when David the king finally ascends the throne, he arranges for the Ark of the Covenant to be brought back to Jerusalem. And so, you know the story, they put the Ark on the back of a, of a cart pulled by oxen. And then there's this incident that happens when the oxen or the cart begins to shake. And as the Ark, uh, the, the, the uh, cattle, the, the oxen shake, the Ark shakes, and it starts to shake. And a man by the name of Uzzah, or Uzzah, puts out his hand to steady the Ark, and he drops dead immediately. Uzzah died, so you can, you can, I guess you could say that the Ark was not user-friendly. <laughs> thank you. I, I prepared for that all morning. That's, thank you for laughing. <laughs> the ark of God, Uzzah drops dead just for steadying the ark. And David may, was, became so fearful that he decided, hold on a minute. We, we just can't take this lightly. We, we just can't be casual. with This is the most powerful thing that we own. This is the presence of God. And so he decides, okay, I'm going to place it. We're going to put it in the house of Obed-Edom for three months. And for three months, it remains in the house of Obed-Edom. And the Bible tells us in the text, the opening text that we read, that the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom. Now, uh, we really don't know what that means. We, we really don't know what it means that, that his household was blessed. It doesn't specify how Obed-Edom's household was blessed. Perhaps it was an inner blessing. Perhaps it was just a, a joy that they felt. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. But one thing is for sure is that other people could see that he was blessed. Other people, it was evident on the outside that Obed-Edom was blessed. They could see it so that to the extent where David received news saying, hey, hey King David, listen, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, it's in Obed-Edom's house and he is getting blessed. His household is getting blessed. And I don't know exactly what it was. But there was for sure something unique uh, with the household of Obed-Edom. Uh, Josephus, the Jewish historian, said that Obed-Edom was a poor man. But since housing the ark, things had changed. Again, I, I'm not sure what it was. Maybe it was. Every time, you know, the, his wife would make breakfast and she'd crack an egg. Instead of just one yolk, there's two yolks in the egg. 
I don't know. Maybe it was the peanut butter jar that never ran out. It was just a constant, a bottomless peanut butter jar. His flocks and herds started multiplying. He had 20 chickens one time, and then when he comes out a few days later, there's like 40 chickens there. He was blessed. Maybe the kids stopped arguing. Maybe his wife started to cook like a three-star Michelin three-star chef. I don't know. But there was something evident with his life and in the household of Obed-Edom. And it was all because the Ark of the Covenant was there. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, let me remind you what we need more than anything else is none other than the presence of God in our homes Amen. If we can get the presence of God, it doesn't matter if you don't have the answers to all the problems. You don't know where the money's going to come from. You don't know where the answer's going to come from. Maybe the doctor gave you a bad report. But can I tell you, if you can get the presence of God, not just here on a Sunday, but in your houses, in your lounge room, in your bedroom, I'm telling you, something has got to manifest. There's a blessing in store when we can get the presence of God in our houses. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I refuse to believe that I'm walking in a cursed life, that my life is fulfilled with negativity, but I believe in a God that wants to prosper me. I believe in a God that wants to bless me, and he wants to give good things into my life. Anybody else believe that here today for yourself? Hallelujah. Now, I know, we don't, I know we don't like the prosperity doctrine. Absolutely. And I think people and preachers have abused. And that's what they call the prosperity gospel. Where somehow uh, that you're not blessed unless you have all of this stuff. And, and, and people use that to line their own pockets. And they have their own ulterior motives for filthy lucre. But can I tell you, the Bible says that he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. Amen. He says, the Bible says when he thinks about us in Jeremiah, he doesn't think of negative thoughts. He doesn't think of how he can make life hard for us, but he's thinking about giving us an expected end. He's thinking about how he can bless us and give to us good things. I've come to help somebody here this morning and tell you that your God is speaking blessings. He's considering and thinking about the good things in your life. Amen. I believe that. Even when sometimes bad things happen in my life, I've still got this mindset God wants to give me good. Amen. The Bible tells us all things. He says, we know, Paul says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose. Amen. Can I tell you that you've got to get that in your spirit, that no matter what you're going through, if you love Jesus, all things are going to work out. Whatever challenge you're facing today, it's going to work out. You just hold on to God. You just enter into his presence. You just get the presence of God in your life. Amen. For three months, he was blessed. And we can but speculate. Because there is no scripture that even though the Ark of the Covenant was housed in, in the home of, of uh, Abinadab, there was no record of Abinadab ever being blessed. Even though he had the ark there for 20 years, yet there was no record. And I know this is but speculation. But if, 
if, the, if there's anything to go by, it is the story of Uzzah, because Uzzah, or Yuzzah, is the son of Abinadab. And the way that Yuzzah treated the Ark of the Covenant, without any respect or reverence, without any, it, it was, and I believe that God caused him to drop dead because there was an attitude in Uzzah where he just, just careless, indifferent, didn't care. I, I don't care. Doesn't matter. There was a, a, an apathy and a complacency where he disrespected the presence of the Lord. And could it be that the reason why Abinadab was never recorded as to experiencing the blessing from God was because the entire household had the same attitude as Yuza did, where, where they are, oh, it's, it's just a box. And maybe if you allow me just some, some my, my imagination that goes a little wild sometimes. That when, when he had to house the ark, I, I believe Abinadab came home one day and said, oh, well, listen, guys, uh, the king needs us to have this, this, this ark here. It's, uh, you know, we, we got we to gotta put it somewhere, and it's going to take up space in my, where my jacuzzi is or something, or, or where my, my, my two-car chariot garage is. And they put it there for 20 years, or maybe they just, it started collecting dust, it started just to, uh, you know, they just put their coffee on it, and it was just become a cumbersome item. They had to walk around it all the time. It was just an eyesore. Maybe Abinadab's wife didn't like it because it didn't match the decor. Maybe she was into interior styling. <laughs> so the gold doesn't match my, you know, my matte black. It just, uh, <laughs> it doesn't. But, and for 20 years, there's not one thing that changed that, that says to us in the scriptures that there was a house that was ever blessed. But for three months, it was in the house of Obed-Edom. And it says he was so blessed that news got back to the King David. They said, hey, listen, King, uh, you know, you left that, that uh, ark over there in the house and, and that dude's getting blessed. And, and David's like, I don't have the ark. Go get it for me. And could it be that Obed-Edom and his attitude was different? That when he said, oh, listen, he came, I can imagine him coming home one day. Hey, listen, kids, listen, honey, guess what? We're going to have the Ark of the Covenant in our house. He said, move everything. I can imagine, move, move, move the coffee table, move the lounge room. Uh, move, we're going to put it right smack bang in the middle of the lounge room. Uh, you move that flat screen TV. We're going to turn off Netflix. We're going to watch that anymore. We've got something better now. And so we're going to move everything, clean up the carpet, uh, wash all the walls, whatever it is. This is God's presence. Uh, and we're going to have him here. And could it be that they would have had that same kind of attitude, uh, that they had the ark in the home uh, in the middle of the house that they were simply grateful and thankful the difference in the attitude it was the same box two different houses a same ark of the covenant two different households and same presence of God but there were two different attitudes one got no blessing but the other one was blessed why because of the attitude that they took towards the presence of God 
Can I preach to somebody here today? Don't take for granted what you've got. Maybe you've had the Holy Ghost 20 years. Maybe you've had the Holy Ghost all of this time, and it's become usual and normal. It's become same old. But what we need is a revival of a fresh eyes and an attitude to say, God, I'm reaching for you. I feel your presence. I'm stirred within my heart once again. I'm still in love with Jesus. Oh, praise God. That's the only thing, Pastor, I can deduce it to. The attitude was different. Uzzah didn't care. Abinadab most likely probably didn't care. But Obed-Edom, he was blessed. That's, that's why I love new converts, Pastor. I, I love new converts because when they come, everything's so new to them. Wow, I feel something here. Tears start rolling down their face. They, they, they want to be at the altar. They don't care what, what people say to them. They don't care if people think that they're always down at the altar. They don't care. They want whatever God has for them. Uh, everything is fresh. Everything is new. Uh, they're the first one to put up their hand for outreach and for, for cleaning the church, whatever needs to be done. And, and they're telling everybody. They're telling their friends. They're bringing people to church. They're telling every single person who they can that there is a God that has given to them a new a fresh life, a fresh start, and they want to tell everybody. Friend, can I tell you, we can't lose that. No matter how much of the Bible you know, don't allow your experience and expertise to rob you of that awe and that sense of wonder and that sense of delight and that sense of like a child once again walking in and saying, wow, God, you still amaze me. The grace of God is still amazing. The presence of the Lord is still awesome. It's still powerful. Hallelujah. I like what Brother Lee Stonking said many years ago. He said, sometimes the Holy Ghost can be like your wedding band. You know, when, when, you, first, when you first get your wedding ring, you're kind of playing with it. And, you know, you're not used to it. Then, wow, look at this. And, but after, you know, 30, 20 years of marriage, you know, I, I, you don't even know it's there. <laughs> I'm like digging up dirt with it. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm pulling out weeds in the garden. I'm, I, I'm, I'm playing tennis. I'm going to the gym with this. You know, I, I don't even realize it's there anymore. And sometimes we can take the same attitude towards the Holy Ghost. I remember the first time I got the gift of the Holy Ghost, I was 19 years old. I wasn't brought up in church. I was out in the world doing sin, drugs, and all that. I was so lost. But the first time I got the Holy Ghost, I came to the altar and I gave my life to Jesus. I didn't know anything about this. But I tell you, I got a case of the Holy Ghost. I had the Holy Ghost so much, I, I, I thought that I couldn't even speak English anymore. I started speaking in tongues. I thought, I didn't want this to stop. I was afraid that if I started speaking English, that this thing would stop. And so I didn't want it to stop. I said, I wanna, and, and, you know, the service was ended. It was a Sunday night back in our old church. And they were turning off the lights. They were closing the doors and the windows. And, and I was still at the altar praying in tongues. I didn't want it to stop. And, and my friend said to me, my brother-in-law said, come on, bro. We, we, we got to go. They're closing up the church. They, they, they're turning off the lights. And I just simply looked at him. I didn't want to speak in English. I just pointed to my mouth and said, I can't stop, basically. He said, oh, man, don't worry. Just put your hand over your mouth and let's go. 
So I put my hand on my mouth, and I walked out of that door speaking in tongues with my hand over my mouth. I, I had a mask on already with my hands, and I'm telling you, I didn't want it to end. I didn't want it to stop. It was the greatest experience that I could ever, ever, any human being could ever experience. And I made up my mind, yes, there's been times when I didn't feel like he was there, but every time I come into the presence of God, I say, God, remind me that you are dwelling on the inside of me. Remind me that it's a river of living water that flows out of my belly out of my innermost being praise God and could it be that that was the simple difference between the two households the household of Obed-Edom only for three months yet was blessed like that new convert and then the household that had it for 20 years of Abinadab where not one blessing was ever recorded in his life. Hallelujah. We, we had recently, and, and Pastor was there, we had this, this new convert, and uh, I got to be careful with what I say, but, but he's quite open, and he wants to share his testimony, and I'm like, well, hold on, just, just take it easy for a moment. He came presenting as a woman. It was in the, he was in the process of, transitioning who was taking medication uh you know therapy for hormones and 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 he was dressed as a female we could tell it wasn't a woman it was is a man you know and uh you know he had everything you know he was taking tablets whatever and he was a loving or at that time we didn't know what to call her so many pronouns now i just i get lost and the Spirit of God was moving on this person, and, and they were just absolutely, he was, he was loving it. And then he came up to me after about a couple of months, says, listen, Pastor, I want to get baptized. And I looked, I said, oh, hold on a second. <laughs> so I, I, I did what any good pastor would do. I delegated to my assistant. I said to my assistant pastor, Ben, you need to talk to this guy. Well, he was going to his connect group anyway, to his small group, which was run a church. And, and I said, he wants to get baptized, but you need to talk. So, so my, my sister pastor, Brother Ben, spoke to them and said, listen, you know, we love that you're here. And we know that, you know, whatever God understands what you're going through. But here's the facts. And he had this hard, hard conversation. And then he was gone. Never came back. A couple of weeks later. Or maybe a couple of months later, he came back. I think not, not long before Pastor came. And there he was. Changed the clothes. Wearing trousers. Wearing a jacket. Still kind of had a, uh, a female sort of blouse. But, but he said, I'm willing to repent, Pastor. I've stopped the, the treatment. I've stopped the therapy. And, and I'm, I'm going to be who God created me to be. And he said, all right, what, what can I say? And I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. What happens if they come out of water and they go back to, but it's not up to me. I said, we did what we could in teaching the word of God. We've, we've preached it. We've taught it. I said, okay, man, you can do it. So we baptize him. He receives the gift of the Holy Ghost. A few weeks, and this is just literally a couple of months ago. A few weeks, a few weeks ago, he, he cut his hair. He had long hair. He cut his hair. This was after we baptized him. He said, I said, go, oh, you know, because he wanted to join the choir. Our choir, we kind of opened it up to everybody sort of thing. He said, oh, I want to join the choir. I said, well, you can join the choir, but you got to cut your hair. <laughs> so the next week he came with a brand new haircut. 
He's a, and he said, Pastor, I want to share my testimony on online. I said, hold, just wait a second. Let's just see how you do for a year, okay? Let's just, you know, you got some extreme, but listen to me. I'm telling that that guy, he's in our front, the front of our church. And, and people sometimes kind of look and say, oh, well, but, but he's there worshiping God. He's, he's worshiping with everything that he has. There's a zeal and a desire. And, and I, sometimes I feel a little uncomfortable. I'll be honest with you, but, but God reminds me, who are you to, to allow to stop somebody? Who am I to, to be critical of somebody? God is doing a work in somebody's life. And I ought to just be emulating his joy and that sense of, of thankfulness and gratitude to God. Hallelujah. And perhaps that's what part of, of Obed-Edom's attitude was. If you look at the Ark of the Covenant, there, there were three things that were found in the Ark of the Covenant, as I said earlier. And maybe those three things are a reflection of his attitude. What was found there was a golden pot of manna. Remember, manna was what God gave to the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness for 40 years. And as much as they complained, because, I mean, I, I don't know about you. I'm sure you all probably get sick of chicken rice if you have it all the time. Or maybe not. I, I wouldn't get sick of chicken rice if I, had, if I had it once a week. I'd be all right. If I had laksa and all that, I would be happy. I'd be a happy man. But manna... <laughs> And, you know, pastor, and sister, you know, pastor says, when I come to Australia, I don't want Asian food, he says to me. I want everything but Asian food when we go out to eat. And, and so, are you sure? And I'm like, I want Asian food. <laughs> that European food is so bland. It's just, it's like manna. <laughs> they said manna, it says in the Bible, it's meant to say like coriander seed and honey. I, I don't know about that, but they got sick of it. But listen to me, even... Even though they got sick of the manna, God provided manna every single day for 40 years. God made sure that they never went without. He never said, okay, today you're going to fast. No, every day he rained down manna from heaven to provide for them. Can I tell you that's how good our God is? That's how gracious and how kind he is to us. That no matter what it is, he promises that he will meet every need for us. He will supply all of our needs, according to the Bible, according to his riches and his glory. Amen. He will provide for you no matter what it is. That's why Jesus said in Matthew, don't you worry. Don't be anxious about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear. That, that's what, that's what they all, all, all the heathens they worry about. They worry about, oh, no, where am I going to get my food? How am I going to get my feed my kids? He says, don't you worry about that. Don't lose sleep about it. Don't allow anxiety to rob you of your joy, of your happiness. If you keep seeking God first, he promises that he will add to you all of those things that you need amen i know i don't know about here but i got to kind of make a little disclaimer with that statement back in australia because people think well well if i you know if i seek god first i'm going to get everything that i want no not everything that you want everything you need you may want that tesla <laughs> but god said you need to walk you need to take the mrt that's he may not give us what we want, but he'll give us what we need. Amen. Because sometimes what you want could be detrimental to your spiritual life. Amen. And so he'll give us, give us what we need. You don't need that Prada or that Gucci. It's... 
You just need to go, I don't know, what, what's your department store here? We say Meyer back home, but. But the pot of manna, it, it was representing God's provision that he will always provide for us. And the attitude, the, the response to his provision is simply gratitude. And I believe that that's what Obed-Edom had. He was grateful that he would be chosen, that he would be honored enough that the king would allow him to house the greatest thing that Israel uh, could ever possess. There was a gratitude. And friend, don't ever lose your gratefulness. But continue to have an attitude, as we often say, attitude of gratitude. Be thankful in your mindset. In your, let, let that be your stronghold. If you're going to have a stronghold, let it be a gratitude. They're thankful that you have the ability to see the good things in every difficult situation. Some people only see the gray cloud behind every silver lining. But you've got to learn to see and focus on the silver lining behind the gray cloud. You've got to focus on what it is that you can find. It's very easy to focus on the negative. Anybody can do that. And our flesh has a tendency to only pick and pick only the things that are negative. But, oh, if you can learn to say, oh, even though I didn't get that job, well, I got more time at home with the family, even though I didn't get that position yet. So I don't have to have the stress. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm telling you, if you can be thankful, the presence of almighty God. Well, surely we'll surely be in your midst. Amen. Gratitude. I'm afraid it's in short supply. Had a generation back in Australia, they were quite uh, well documented. That, uh, they're coming out of university and, and they're, they're not, they refuse to work, some of those, those young people. And I know it's not like here, but they said, well, uh, I've, I've just done four years in university. I, used, I expect to be the, the manager. They said, no. And we have universities who are unemployed. University students are unemployed for the longest time. Because they refused to do any kind of menial job. I said, listen, you know, whatever you can do, you ought to be thankful that you can do something. Because you always got to start somewhere. You got to start at the beginning somewhere. And if you can be grateful in that, I promise you, God will give to you more and more. If you are faithful in the little things, God will make you ruler over much. Amen. They, they said, no, I won't do retail. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do Saw some clothes. You can make it, maybe get some freebies while you're there. But gratitude, I believe, is a presence, is, is the attitude that brings and draws the presence of God in our midst. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, the Bible says, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. He said, I have been young and now I am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful. Amen. The second item that was there in the ark was the, the rod of Aaron that budded. The rod of Aaron is in reference to a story in the during the time of the children of Israel in the wilderness when they were complaining. The elders of the other tribes were upset and saying, well, Aaron, Moses, who made you the leaders? Who, who put you in place? And they started murmuring and complaining and whinging and whining. 
And, and so God tells Moses, okay, you go and do this. So Moses says, okay, all of you leaders, all of the rulers of every tribe, you bring your rod. Everybody puts and graves their name on it. They put it at the tent of meeting. And the next day, something powerful happened. Aaron's rod began to bud with leaves, with flowers, and even ripe almonds. They could have just cracked that thing, open up, and eat it. It was, it, was, it was a rod. It was a stick. It was a dead stick. And God wanted to show them. God wanted to reveal to the children of Israel, hey, listen, folks, you might complain about who's here and who's there, but God ultimately says, I'm the one who's in charge. I'm the one. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. The Lord is the one that puts up and puts down. Amen. You, you've got to trust that God is still in control. He's still the God of his church. He's still the God of his people. He still has a reign. He hasn't abdicated the throne. He hasn't lost his mind. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he wanted to remind the children of Israel, I'm the one that chose these men. I'm the one that elevated them. And that's where supernatural power comes. It comes under the, when you come under authority. Uh, I just thought about this the other day. When you place yourself in submission, and obedience to authority. Yes, we're going to make mistakes. As pastors, we are mortals. We are humans. We make mistakes, and sometimes we make the wrong decision. But can I tell somebody here today that when you continue to submit to the authority that God gives, there is supernatural manifestation. There's fruit. There's power. There's an anointing that's released. Oh, hallelujah. And you all know this. You've, you've done undercover before. You know the power of authority. Amen. That when we give ourselves and we honor the man of God, don't just submit to them, but honor them. The Bible says, obey them that have the rule over you and, and let them, don't give them grief. Let them do it with joy. It will be for your benefit that they're happy. Amen. Just, just pretend I, I, I'm preaching to my, my saints back home. Okay. <laughs> I can't say this as much. Because it seems so self-serving. <laughs> but he says, make sure when you obey, make your, you want your pastor to be happy. You, want, you don't want them to be upset. Because if they're going to pastor you while we're upset, guess what? <laughs> it's not going to be nice. He says, it's going to be to your benefit. That you honor, not just honor and obey, but, but you actually do it in a way that, that makes them happy because they watch over your souls. We've got all of these internet pastors nowadays, and pastor talked about it while he was back in Sydney. All these, all these guys going in the internet on Facebook and YouTube, and, and they're preaching to everybody, and, and you know, they're, they're, uh, you know, people are watching them, and people are now become, after these last two years, we've become accustomed to having our spiritual uh, nourishment coming through the internet. And I've had some of our own folks back home in Sydney watching these guys on the internet. And I said, do you even know these people? No. And to the extent they're not just watching preaching, he's actually ministering to them individually. And I, and I remind them, I said, these people, they don't, they don't have the capacity to watch over your soul. They don't know you. They don't, you don't know them from a bar of soap. The Bible says to know them that labor among you. And they don't have any vested interest in these people's lives because they, they could just switch off, start a new account, change. And I said, you've got to be careful who you listen to, who you allow to speak into your lives. They won't have to give an account for you one day. 
It's your pastors, your leaders that have to give an account for, for what their small group, for the church. And we've got to tell, there's a vested interest in that, that we have a relationship with people. And that relationship, brothers and sisters, is, is what we have our, our leverage in being able to speak into each other's lives. And so, uh, Aaron's rod that budded, and perhaps Abinadab did not have that same, maybe they had, he had the same kind of attitude as some of these other elders who questioned Moses and Aaron. And of course, uh, the third thing that we find in the Ark of the Covenant is the tables of testimony. The tables of testimony, it is... Uh, where Moses had to write again the Ten Commandments because he broke the first one that God gave to him, that God wrote with his own handwriting, with his own finger, the finger of God. Let me tell you, the Word of God still is the answer for this world. The gospel is still the answer in reaching this world. What God has called us to is to honor and reverence once again the Word of God. And to continue to preach the word and reach this world. Uh, this, this pandemic, it, you know, and I, I take my hat off to you guys. I think you, you, you did some incredible things with your, your innovation and technology. We were just trying to follow and keep up. But it taught us how to be, uh, how to be flexible. It taught us, no, we're, we're not going to change. We're still going to be the church. But we've got to adapt to circumstances. And the, the, the pandemic is almost gone, I, I hope. I could, in Sydney, you know, we don't wear a mask anymore. In some places in Australia, they may still be strict. But, but we're still here, folks. The church is still here. The COVID's come. And man, I've, I've had COVID, and it was like a badge of honor. You know, I got COVID, and I won. I made it. I'm alive. We were, the way it was before, it was like, man, you're going to die when you... I've had worse flus, I'll be honest with you, but, but yeah, I was like, you know, I was kind of proud. Yeah, I got COVID again. I'm, I made it. We got to get a badge. You should get a badge of honor. We beat COVID. We're, I'm still here. But the, out of all of this, God was still saving people. The word of God was going. In fact, the word of God began to spread even more. When, when the enemy tried to stop us, no, instead, we found a new platform by which we preach. And I tell our people all the time, you use your social media to share the gospel. I said, don't be silly. Don't be tactless, but, but be tactful, be tasteful, but share the testimony, share the gospel, share the love of God. Amen. And I'm telling you, we've had people after people walk into the house of God because they've seen us on the internet. They heard something, a testimony. And virtually every week, pastor, we've had people getting baptized and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. This, listen to me, the COVID was merely a lull before the storm of the church uh, once again coming to the fore and reaching this world before Jesus comes uh, we've got to reach a lost and dying world uh, 7 million people in this nation island nation uh, we've got 23 25 million people in Australia and thank God for good church but listen to me God wants every member of the church of the living God uh, to be a preacher of the gospel to do the work uh, of an evangelist uh, to reach one soul even if it's just one soul this year can you imagine if every single one of us brought one soul to church just one that's all i'm telling you, this we, we need to open up the, the next cinema the next theater it's not going to be big enough 
But what we need today is an aggressive evangelism of preaching the gospel. I said to our young people, some of the young men that have been getting saved, they said, we want to do something for the Lord. I said, well, son, I'm afraid this pulpit's not for you. But guess what? There's a pulpit called the footpath, called the sidewalk. You get out there on the footpath. Uh, you preach the gospel. You go and teach a Bible study. You, I said, well, I don't know how to teach a Bible study. Well, you've got a testimony. You've, you've read Acts 2.38. Just point them to Acts 2.38 uh, and pray for them and see what God will do. And I'm telling you, God will bring a revival that is unprecedented something has to come out of this pandemic something for the kingdom of God has got to be born and launched as a result of us being shut down and locked down now it's time for us to step out and reach one soul at a time I'm not saying we got to go out there and let everybody know who we are but if you can just bring that workmate if you can bring that classmate from school if you can invite a friend a neighbor I'm telling you God will multiply so quickly and so powerfully that it will be almost beyond us our capacity Amen. to care of course god will not bring us a revival that we're not able to care for souls because the last thing he wants are souls that are going to be aborted that are going to be left but we need people to care to care for them amen there's something similar in the, in the gospels of this story of the two households there is perhaps the tale of the two the two towns or two cities. And the Bible tells us when Jesus went back to his hometown of Nazareth, nothing happened. There was no miracle. It says to us in the word of God that when Jesus went there, there was only maybe a few sick folk that were healed, but hardly anybody that got healed. But then in the very next town in Luke chapter 4, a place called Capernaum, it was different. They brought every sick person in town, the Bible says. And only just a few miles apart from Nazareth was Capernaum. And he laid hands. They brought everybody until the going down of the sun. Everybody in Capernaum brought every person that was sick, whether it was a headache, whether it was back, whatever it was, the Bible says that every one of them were healed. What we need, folks, is an everyone healed revival. Praise God. The same Jesus, two different towns. What was the difference? Well, maybe in Nazareth, it could be when they saw Jesus, they said, well, isn't, isn't he Mary's boy? Isn't that the carpenter's son? That familiarity, it bred contempt. It bred doubt and questioning that they missed the miracle. They missed the opportunity for a revival. Hardly anybody was healed in Nazareth. But in Capernaum, every single one was healed. Why? Because of their attitude. Amen. Don't come into the house of God and say, well, you know, that's my same old seat. And it's just uh, the same old band playing and singing. It's just the same old pastor preaching a message. Amen. You can easily look at the, the same sort of uh, habits and routine that we have. And that familiarity can rob you. It can dull you of your faith. Or alternatively, you can come in here and say, God, you're in here. When you walk through the door, when you sh uh, brought uh, walking through those doors, you say, God, your house is here. Your presence is here. I'm coming into the presence of God. I'm telling you, you can experience a miracle and a revival. You can experience healing in the house of God today. It's all in your attitude. It's all in how you see things. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. I, I've got to stop. I've got to finish. I, I'm just about done. Musicians, you could come. I, I can just imagine Obed-Edom for three months. And then all of a sudden, after three months, he gets a knock on the door. He said, uh, Obed-Edom, it's the king. Uh, listen, buddy, I, I, heard, uh, I heard you've been getting blessed. Uh, I, I want to get blessed. It's time for you to give me that, that ark. And, of course, Obed-Edom couldn't, couldn't decline the king. He couldn't say no. He said, of course, well, yes, sir. But I can just imagine Obed-Edom saying, oh, don't go. Don't go. A little bit like that. Well, kids, when they have the parents leave or... Maybe some of you young men, when your girlfriend breaks up with you, and says, don't go. <laughs> Where you leave? It was the presence of God leaving him. So what did Obed-Edom do? Well, he could have easily just went back to his lounge. Okay, guys, well, put Netflix back on. Let's watch Stan. Let's watch Primes. No. You know what the Bible says? Obed-Edom followed the ark. You know the story when, when, when David was bringing the ark back to Jerusalem, every six steps they would sacrifice so many animals because he wanted to make sure this time I'm going to do this right. It's not going to be born on the back of a cart. It's going to be born on the shoulders of men. If we're going to have a revival, it's not because of our technology and systems. And thank God for that. But revival is brought on the shoulders of men, on the prayers, the sacrifices of the people of God. And every six steps he would sacrifice as we brought that ark back. But following behind was Obed-Edom. said, no, what I've experienced is too good for it to be simply a memory. I'm going after the presence of God. How do I know that? Well, I don't really know, but here's what the Bible tells us. In, 40, in 1 Chronicles chapter 26, it records that Obed-Edom became a doorkeeper in the temple, in the house of God. 62 family members of Obed-Edom were all gatekeepers. They became gatekeepers in the house of God. He was determined, I'm not going to leave this just a once, a once in a while kind of thing. It's not just a, a holiday romance that I had with God. I'm following the presence of God. My whole life, my whole family, we're going to be directed. I don't know what it is that's your priority, but if you listen to me, prioritize God and his presence and to have him dwelling in your family and in your midst. I'm telling you, every succeeding generation, they're going to be blessed. That's what the Bible tells us, that if you follow Follow his word. He said, I will visit you unto a hundred thousand generations. A thousand. It says, but if you sin, it will be visited unto the third and fourth generation. That's for sin. But when you do right, it is exponentially greater, not just to the third and fourth generation, but unto a thousand generations. It will carry on. It will continue on as you pursue after him. Folks, I know you maybe you had a wonderful experience, some of you here, maybe 20 years ago, maybe 10 years ago, maybe last week. 
But don't leave it just to last week. Don't let it just be an experience that you had. Oh, I remember back then. No, you've got to go after it. You've got to pursue. You've got to run after him. You've got to run hard. You've got to chase hard after the Lord. And say, God, I'm not leaving. Whatever it takes, I'm going to remove certain things in my life. I'm going to sacrifice these things or nothing in comparison to knowing you. I love the word of God still. It still amazes me. It doesn't matter who's preaching. We could have our young people doing a youth Sunday preaching and maybe not be able to put a good sermon together. But I believe God can still speak to that young people through that young person. He'll speak to me. I said, God. God, open my heart that I may hear your voice through somebody who's new, somebody who's young. I still want your word, your presence. Oh, hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet here today? I've got to stop. I believe God wants to renew our hearts, give us a fresh set of eyes to begin to see again. With, with such desire and hunger, with such a longing, uh, a sense of wonder. That's what Jesus said, unless you become like little children, you know, we need that childlike wonder again. Rabbi Abraham Shekel said, I didn't, I didn't ask for wisdom, he said, but I asked the Lord for wonder. Don't lose that wonder and that awe. Don't let the familiarity of the physical circumstances rob you of your awe of God's presence that's here today hallelujah I wonder wherever you are if you would lift your voices right now begin to talk to the Lord this amazing God who can hear our prayers individually all at the same time even in the massive group of people if you'd lift your voices unto the Lord and begin to say God give me a fresh set of eyes help me to see again give me a new attitude Lord Jesus towards you Lord let me hunger and thirst after righteousness that I may be filled Give me an unquenchable desire, Lord God, for you to know you. Let me follow and let me pursue after you wherever you direct me. Wherever you go, God, I want to know you. I want to have you in my life. Come on, everybody, lift your hands and your voices right now. It's your opportunity to respond to his word today. It's your opportunity to begin to talk to him, to lift up your voices and say, God, I want this to be real. I don't want church as usual. I want something real. I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. Oh, hallelujah. And the fellowship of your suffering being made conformable unto your death. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this house right now. I feel renewal coming. I feel a restoration coming. Restoration is coming right now. He's going to remove the scales from your eyes. He's going to remove the calloused heart that cannot feel, that's become cold and indifferent. He's going to remove it right now as you open your heart and say, God, baptize me again with fresh vision, with a new heart, a heart of flesh that will beat with the lifeblood of passion and zeal for you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it. Lift up your voices. Come on, wherever you are, wherever you're standing. Come on, break through in prayer. We sang it already. Hallelujah. I refuse to be like Abinadab. I want to be like Obed-Edom. Hallelujah. With gratitude, with zeal, with purpose and desire. Hallelujah.
Oh, baptize us afresh and anew. Let the refreshing fall from the presence of Almighty God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, it's time for your breakthrough. Somebody's getting a breakthrough right now. If you need a breakthrough in healing, a breakthrough of a, a stronghold in your mind that you've been battling with, it's time to tear it down. Oh, in Jesus' name, have you got faith in this house? Can you believe God for a miracle in your life? Oh, yes, oh, yes. Come on, lift your voices. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, a new attitude. A new heart will he give to his people. Hallelujah. Faith filling our hearts today. I'll pray for somebody next to you if it's appropriate. Lay hands on somebody next to you that needs prayer, that needs help. Pray for one another right now. Let's bear each other's burdens. I feel God moving on your, on your heart right now. He's going to set you free. Set you free from criticism. Set you free from, uh, from cynicism and, and all kinds of things that are causing your heart to be blocked up. Hallelujah. Oh, we've got the presence of God in our midst. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Come on, don't leave this house the same. Don't leave the house of God the same way that you came. I've come for a, a change. I didn't come to hear a nice sermon. I've come for a change. I've come to be transformed like our theme for this year, to be changed by the hand of God. I've come to, to, to have an encounter with my Savior. He said, if you so desire, whatsoever you desire, believe, and you're going to have it. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, when he comes into your room, when he comes into your house, something happens. Change takes place. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, you can get the Holy Ghost. If you don't never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you can receive it today. If you've never spoken in tongues, you can receive this experience. Hallelujah. I want God in my home. I want God in my life, on my children. I want God wherever I go, his presence to go with me. Hallelujah. Come on, what are you going to do? Pursue after him. You need the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why don't you lift your hands right now and he'll fill you with his Holy Spirit. If you need that gift, he's here. If you need healing in your body, pray right now. Believe it. He can heal you in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just leave our hands one more time. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let your voice out one more time. Let's worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can I just speak to you for a moment? How many of you would agree that if we have more Jesus in our lives, more miracles will happen? How many of you believe that if we can feel the manifest presence of God here in this place? You know, I was praying, I was really praying, you know, uh, this week about God's glory visiting us in a way that we have never seen before. And the Lord cautioned me, say that, hey, teach the people how to honour me. You know, when I start to think about it, what do I mean by honouring? You know, it's not just good enough to be here. You got to honour Him. Honour Him in the little things that you do, the actions, your attitude towards the presence of the Lord. And then God told me that even for families to be strong, there has got to be honour. You know, and, and, and listen to me, we are living in a generation and how many of you seen that video about that young man uh, speaking back to the teacher. Have, have you seen that? How many of you seen it? You know, and it was so, it went viral. You know, uh, the teacher was trying to stop the student from speaking. Uh, and he went violent. He started cursing the teacher real big time. And, 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 and I was kind of taken back and, and I, I, I was wondering, where is that honour? that we Asian people pride ourselves. You know, I love the culture of honour. But the Holy Ghost came to me and said this, no, hang on, I want you to listen carefully right now. You know, the scripture says in Matthew chapter 24, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill the prophets. And, and, and it hit me so hard that, 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 that if we are not careful, we have, can have a murderous spirit. What do you mean? You see, when authorities speak to your life and you don't like it, you want to shut that voice. You know what they first do? They murder that reputation of that person. Whether it's a husband or wife. Okay, let's think. Oh, but he's so sloppy. He's deserving. No respect. Why should I give it? There's a spirit that is in the world today that will murder that voice. And then after that, they tear that reputation so they give him the right to tear down the office. Father, pastor, any leader. Disrespectful. You know, the very fact that I was taught as a young Christian, anything that comes here, whether who delivers it, doesn't matter. I give honour to the word. I mean, come on. I say I give honour to the word of God. Or whether it's my father or mother, whether it's who is leading the, the group, whether it's who, I honour them. 
If you tear down authorities, you got nothing left. There's a murderous spirit and after the murderous spirit will murder relationships. Because you start to look at that person with a tainted view, I'm better than you. And that's the thing that I'm concerned about in these last days where people come instead of honouring the word of the Lord and then when you honour him the Bible says he will honour you Amen that's why God has given us principles of tithing principles to honour him to remember this thing called honour when you fail to honour whoever stands here in the pulpit doesn't matter I honour the word Bishop Willoughby makes us stand for the reading of the word remember that Amen. And, and not really at honouring him, what does it look like? Well, honouring somebody takes on different forms from everybody coming to service. What does honour look like? Amen. You know, sometimes I'm just so afraid that we want to retain people that we don't want to teach this thing called honour because I think that sometimes they honour the, the, the people from the, the Buddhism, <laughs> honour the temple, more than how the Christian would honour the house of the Lord. And you're wondering, why am I not blessed? You know, children are confused because of roles in the family. If there's no honour in the home, if, if your children talk back to you, if they do something, you say, hey, I know what my father will do. I mean, just because you, 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 you are smarter than your dad doesn't give you any rights to silence his voice. Are, are you with me here today? Because the last days, the Bible says, where people will become unholy, unthankful. And, and I cut myself sometimes or so. Sometimes a preacher will say something, mispronounce it, and I laugh. I have to hold myself back. Because I don't want my preacher to be a laughing stock. I'm not saying he's perfect. The reason why I do certain things is because there's got to be honour. Same thing. Our politicians, our leaders, our authorities, are they perfect? I'm not saying that they are perfect. Amen. Come on, everybody say praise the Lord. If, if, if Lee Sien Long were to come, I'll ask you all to stand. I hope you all don't mind stand and order the man. Our Prime Minister, don't make him a joke. Because once that is taken down, once the home order is gone, chaos set in. Divine order. Everybody say praise the Lord. That's why in this house, if you're going to be a leader, there are standards. Come on. Come on, everybody say praise the Lord. I've said it many times. If I see somebody being rude to an authority, I see your children being rude to you. I will tell that child off because it is wrong to rebuke an elder. Hello? Come on, everybody say praise the Lord. Are, are you with me? Amen. Because once that structure is gone, we got nothing, folks. No presence, no glory, no blessings. Why is this person blessed and that person not blessed? Amen. I got to change my attitude. I got to change my attitude towards my wife. 
If I'm going to receive her ministry, then I need to honor her. If I'm going to receive my children's ministry, I got to honor. And it's not about, listen very carefully this. The Bible commands us to honor not because they are honorable. Respect them. Because where would you draw the line of tearing down authorities? Where would you draw the line? Once you get this going, you will never end. I am a firm believer of honor. I'm asking this church, amen. I'm asking this church to restore honor and do not allow that murderous spirit, the murderous spirit into this place. I'm not saying we are perfect, but there is a way to do certain things. Everybody say amen. amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, let's lift our hands, let's pray. In the name of Jesus, God, I'm asking you right now, Restore honor. God, first of all, honor towards you. Honor towards our homes. Honor to the different authorities. God, that you have set up, Father, right now. Lord, because God, you are a God of order, you have set people up, you place people up, God. Lord, all authorities are from you. And I'm asking God today, Jesus. Restore our family order today. Come on, can we just pray for our family order? Can you just pray right now? Father, teach us to have an honourable God relationship with one another. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, God. We give you all honour. We give you all praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Thank you for that word. Amen. Again, we need the presence of the Lord. The Bible says, I will honour those who honour me. And those that do not honour me, I will less esteem. That's what the scriptures say. Amen. So, so turn to your neighbour and laugh and say, Wow. You know, you, you change the whole attitude. You know, instead of saying, uh, you here again, uh, huh? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you here again, uh, you again. Uh. <laughs> but look at them with the wow. The child of the living God is sitting next to me. Amen. Come on, I, I'm, I'm saying this. When you in, are in awe of that person, at least respect them because they belong to Jesus. Amen. They are wonderfully and fearfully made. Wow. Amen. Look at them again one more time. Go, wow. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Amen. Thank you.